2: Heads up, these are adults having adult conversations, so there could be adult content. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to Hyper. This week is Lit. They are a huge rock band. They had some of the biggest hits. I think one of the longest number ones of all time. It went 12 weeks. My own worst enemy, and they were eaten by Pamela Anderson. If you're going to get eaten by someone, it might as well be Pamela Anderson. So please welcome AJ and Jeremy Popoff from the band Lit. Hey, guys.
0: Hi. Hello. Hello.
2: So I'm here with the Pop of cool, yeah. Off Brothers. Introduce yourselves.
0: The Pop Off Brothers. Pop Off. Yeah. It
2: does. It's very um it catches your attention.
0: Pop Off, like popping off and lit have become two popular that's right. terms in um pop culture these days. So we're pop I think culture. we're about 15 20 years ahead of our time.
2: What does pop off mean in uh pop culture?
0: <clears throat> like popping off like I don't know, is one of them reality like shows a girl was just like,
2: pop off, pop off. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, where are we right now? What is this awesome venue that we're sitting in in Nashville?
0: This is the Redneck Social Club. Okay. Yeah, it's our management headquarters.
2: Which is awesome. It's like a bar, a dance hall. It's kind of like in a cool, like, street cred kind of location. It's got a
1: sort of stripped down music venue,
0: you know, private party vibe.
2: Do you guys throw some parties in here?
0: We've been to a couple. You have? Yeah.
2: Okay. So we had actually Stage some... over
0: there and bands would get up and jam. and we got to
1: find a clip to throw in right here of the karaoke that took place. Or oh, it was, I don't know if it was karaoke. Epic. Oh, kind of karaoke. God. It was sort of like an <laughs> American Idol like uh, audition. It was amazing.
2: Was everybody sober doing this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it sounded great.
1: Yeah. It... <laughs> it was
2: amazing. So I want to start off with a little rapid fire. First off. Well, actually, I want you to describe yourself, but I want to do Rapid Fire first. What is the coolest venue that you guys have ever played? You guys are in the band Lit, for everyone's listening. Jeremy and AJ Popoff, they are in the band Lit. They're founding members. They're also brothers. Yes, ma'am. And they're also amazing. Coolest venue you've ever played?
1: Man, I'd, I'd say some of the European festivals we've done, just, like, fields of people. That's insane. Uh, I bet. So, I mean, that's, I guess that's not really a venue, but... Red Rocks in Denver. Oh,
2: yeah. oh that's cool. Pretty
0: breathtaking. Um, it's very really pretty. We've played some amazing <laughs> little tiny places and some amazing. The first, we played um, Baltimore Ravens Stadium. That was like our first huge show that Dollar. we ever played. And that yeah, was like, you know, an impressionable day because we had never played in front of it, played in something that big before. So that was kind of gnarly. And we made, I mean, it messed us up too because we were on the big screen on the other side of the football field. Oh, and yeah? so there was a delay. So I was, like, doing my rock pose, and I, <laughs> and I saw the, the screen, and my hands were in a different place than they were on the neck. And oh, no. It totally messed me up. Did and it I, really? Yeah. So <laughs> I learned to not look at those screens after that.
2: Oh, yeah. Was it a bad mess up? Hmm.
1: I mean, you know. It's always oh. weird just seeing a giant version of yourself, too. Right. You just kind of want to keep looking. and <clears throat> It's very distracting.
2: That is true. Okay. Weirdest thing you've ever seen on the road?
1: Weirdest thing. Maybe like it we're you know in the after um, after party like meet and greet stuff mm-hmm. I autographed a, a glass eyeball before. Oh, like in and I? He pulled this guy pulled his, his eye out and had us he wanted us to sign his glass eye. Oh, that was weird
0: shit.
2: That's so weird. Yeah. I
0: think when you are when you're a band touring your first time out, so many things are weird because you're in so many new places and you're meeting new people and you know the food is different or the 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 cities look different and. Um, and then after a while, like none of it's weird anymore. It's like, kind of all normal. So That's true.
2: true. Once you've seen so much, it's like anything goes. Yeah. Favorite country you've been to?
0: Japan, I think, is my favorite. Why? Because for me, uh, I'm not a big fan of flying. I'm not afraid of flying. I'm just a, I'm not a fan of sitting down in a chair for 14 hours. True. So um, if I'm going to go through all that pain and agony of being... Locked up for that long. When I get off the plane, I want to be somewhere that's like another planet. Um, you know, when you fly from New York to Frankfurt, Germany, you get off the plane, you're like, this looks kind of like anywhere in America. You know, yeah. but when you get to, to Japan, you know you're
2: in, in a foreign place. in
0: a foreign country, and it's and it's yeah, very it's modern foreign. and cool. And I love the food. I love the culture.
2: That's awesome. What about you, AJ?
1: I I would probably say Japan as well. I mean, just because it's you know if you're gonna travel um to like there's so many so many parts of Europe that just feels like kind of feels like the east coast or something, you know, it's not not super um I don't know, you know, feel like you're traveling really. But I think Holland, like mm. the Netherlands and those places where it's just so clean and tidy and you know, everything's like compartmentalized and yeah, I love I love that part of the world.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, who are y'all's biggest biggest musical influences?
1: Man, all over the place for us. That's always been you know grew up on heavy metal music, so right, you know, Maiden and Judas Priest and all that. All the all it's the almost like players. you got to
0: pick a decade because yeah, you definitely the have biggest to. influence on our childhood was probably heavy metal, but the biggest influence in our um, songwriting would probably be like more like uh, Elvis Costello. Definitely. Or the Eagles, Don Henley, um, um, and uh, but I, you know as a guitar player, Boston I love. Yeah. Um, so it's like you, if you threw a year out or a decade out, I could probably name a handful. But it's we're still influenced yeah. by you know it's 2016 and there's still people that influence us. You know, but we were born in the 70s and our dad was on the radio and he'd bring home albums and so we. We were little kids. We didn't know what was, what was pop or rock or me, or metal or country. Mm-hmm. We liked Kenny Rogers, and The Cars, you yeah. know, and Van Halen, and Dolly Parton. You know, yeah. this was all stuff that we had in our living room on vinyl. So, um, yeah, there's so many.
1: Elvis.
2: Elvis. Definitely. Y'all like the Elvises.
1: I do both of them. Yeah. Both, both. I'm actually. I want to get. I want to get a tattoo, and I think one of our friend. I, I can't remember whose idea it was, but I think I'm gonna. I'm going to steal it before someone gets it, but it's the a playing card with Elvis Presley and Elvis Costello. Oh. The king of, you know,
2: nice.
1: Kings of both sides.
2: Speaking of tattoos, you guys both have full sleeves that are amazing.
1: Yeah. Uh, i got to finish this you. one, but thank you.
2: What is your favorite tattoo? And what is your least favorite tattoo that you guys have on your arms?
1: I think my, for me, my favorite is, is probably our, uh, my tribute to Al, big Al, our drummer who we lost. Um, that's my El Nino tattoo, but um, my least favorite is probably my, my leg tattoo, my first one. It's like a tribal, I don't know what, it, what the hell it is, but it's ugly. It's the only <laughs> one I think I'd cover up. I've got some one, you know tattoos that are kind of silly that I'm like, eh, I wouldn't get that again, but I wouldn't cover them up. But that leg one, I will. I'll cover it.
2: You're not a fan? Not a fan. Okay. Well, everyone makes a first mistake.
1: But I don't show my legs very often anyway, so... Well, you
2: should. You have get, great legs. Get it coming
1: up right chicken Best legs. legs
2: look good, AJ. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I look good after I get a tattoo of a chicken bone on it. <laughs> what
2: about you, Jeremy?
0: I I do have a um, a leg tattoo that has a similar story. It was my first one, and...
2: You guys both did leg tattoos for the first? Yeah, I
0: don't know why. It, when we were... When we were teenage, and we were like 18, 19, we got our first tattoos, and back then it was like a big commitment, you know? Um, you... You know, you could start here, but if you could see it from your sleeve, it was going to be harder to get jobs. And right. we already had long hair, so it was already hard enough to, to you know, find jobs that would deal with our band and our lifestyle. And so that was like, and then if you went below the elbow, it was like, oh, wow. And, now you um, really
2: can never do Job corporate. security. Yeah.
0: Now kids Keeping are starting like- on their neck. You'll see like, you know, you see these kids and they're literally, their first tattoo is like the, the whole front of their throat and they take their Face shirt off tattoos, and they got nothing man. else. And, but, um. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I went down to the hand recently, mm-hmm. and um, so that is an everyday reminder that it's going to be very hard for me to ever put a suit on and go work in the corporate world. So, but
2: maybe that's kind of why you did it. Just well, confirm it, you never will. Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, I, I never probably would anyways. But it it's a daily reminder that I have to go go out and kick ass. I
2: love that
0: because I can't. I don't have a backup option now. To just <laughs> put a suit on and go work at a whatever. Right.
2: Yeah. Now you got a hand. It's cool. It's really pretty lifestyle
0: security. Thank you. What
2: is that? A skull? It's (laughs) a
0: sugar skull. And it's got black diamonds in the eyes, which so does that ring. ring. Um, so yeah, was that thunder? It sounded like
2: a bomb just went off (laughs) underground. What? Okay. So let's start at the beginning. You guys are brothers. Jeremy, how much older are you than AJ? Two years. Okay. So you guys formed this first band called razzle. Oh when AJ, you were 14, yeah. and Jeremy, you were 16?
0: Well,
1: when I was, the band formed around then, but I was a drummer at the time. I know. Yeah. So
2: you switched to singing. How did that happen? That was like when
1: I was 16, I started singing because we couldn't find a singer that was, you know, half decent. Um, so I, yeah, I said, I'll, I'll give it a shot.
2: So you did not originally want to sing? No. Why?
1: I you know I just I love drums and I never really thought about you know what instrument. Our grandfather was a drummer, a jazz musician, so that was I was exposed to that and had access to his drum kit and, and it was the first instrument I learned how to play. Um, and then I think as just after playing a show as a drummer, I just realized that it was I didn't want to be cooped up behind a kit. I you need to me, run free. I need to be free. run
2: free like the bird that That's you are. That's right. Okay, so you switched to singing. Yeah. And then Jeremy, you are in the band as the guitar. You play yeah. lead guitar. Yep, and you're also the original band members. Kevin, Sean, and Alan, you were together the whole time. Mm-hmm. Y'all formed Razzle and stayed together through Lit the whole time. No,
0: Sean didn't. And well, we started out. I was actually in a couple other bands when I was young, 16. I dropped out of high school as a junior to pursue my rock and roll dreams. And um, they ha- they were doing the the Razzle thing, and then we all kind of about a year or two later, we all joined up and. So there was a fifth member, guitar player in the early days. And then um and then it was just me, AJ, Kevin and Al for
2: Y'all like stayed 20 years. For 20 years. Yeah. So that's yeah. a huge dedication to stay through all of the changing of the band names, the changing of the record labels, all of your musical evolution. Y'all never broke up. <laughs> Don't you think that's sort of rare? In
1: it the is. Bands? Yeah, extremely. I mean, it's weird. It's something about I feel like a lot of Orange County bands have stayed together for For a really long time, I don't don't know if it's why is that. Maybe it's just a culture that you know that SoCal kind of. I don't know. It became like it was family for us. So
2: and you guys never had another option of another job. Like you were like we're being a band or sticking to it. Because sometimes people are scared to commit to band.
1: Yeah, you have to, man. I think it's just like anything career-wise. You know, it's just no backup plan. That was the best way. Especially in the entertainment period, you got to have. Yeah, you got to devote yourself 100%. We
0: would always have um, very menial jobs just to and make just enough to like cover studio rent for band practice and and gas in the car for gigs. And then whatever money we made at the gigs, we would put back into the band to make flyers or print CDs or cassettes or, or stickers. And um, we were pretty relentless guerrilla marketers. You know, this is you know before social media and that kind of stuff. So our social media was us being socially active and we would just go out to multiple bars multiple concerts multiple anywhere where there was people hanging out that we thought might like what we were doing we would go there with piles of stuff to give them and um and we'd stand outside of shows and just give them and we and and that worked really um because we were you know by the time we got a record deal we were. Did
2: that, is that what got you the record deal? Just going out and hustling and. I and think Razzle was your first record deal with Razzle. Right?
0: You no, know, yeah, oh. we never got a record deal with Razzle.
2: It switched to Stain. Stain, right. yeah. But then there's another band called Stain, so you came up with Lit, which I love the name Lit.
0: Lit was the name of the first album, so it was yeah. the band was Stain. The album was called Lit. But um, you didn't
2: have a record deal with Stain.
0: We we got signed to a to Delicious a, Vinyl. Yeah, a, a hip hop label called oh. Delicious Vinyl. It was
1: yeah, Delicious Vinyl was their like, you know, wicked
0: stepchild. Uh, for the rock stuff Okay
2: um, So Delicious Vinyl
0: Yeah first so record They had like They had Tone Loke And they had Young MC And they had um, The Far Side And um, they were like A really cool Especially now Looking back They're a really cool Credible um, Hip hop label And But they had This couple of crazy dudes That worked there That were really into Rock and roll And so they convinced them To um, Let them sign A couple of rock bands And so That How was like they our. find you? And we were in a bar in San Diego in front of, right. like, nine people. And they were, like, two of the nine people. And, and it they turned, loved it. Yeah.
2: So but, how did you guys change from Razzle? Why did y'all dump Razzle, the band name?
1: I think it's, a lot of it was just the evolution of the band. It's, when you've been together that long, you kind of you grow. We were just little kids when we started the first one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we just changed. We kind of outgrew it. It, was, it just felt too... High Razzle school, daffle. yeah, it was a little too bright for us. <laughs>
2: you guys are bright. What are you talking about? Yeah. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah, sunshine. Not
0: boys. that sweet <laughs> though. We were changing. Music was changing. Everything was just kind of we, we, you know, I think with any artist, the more you do it, and as you start doing it for longer, you, you start to figure out what it is that you want to do. You Did know? you guys really
2: start off more heavy metal-ish or or right?
0: Well, we were all over the place. Heavier, like we still are, kind of. We, we, we were never afraid to get really heavy or to get really. Um, emotional and, mm-hmm. and sad. You know, we were always kind of pushing it a little farther in either direction. And then I think when we started to have some success, then we started to kind of focus it in a little bit more on what we felt we were the best at.
2: What do you feel like that is? What well, are you the best at?
0: I don't know. We, I, I, yeah. I'm still trying to we're, figure it we, out. Yeah, we, um, you know, we We
1: geek out on, on songwriting. We just, we love to, you know, we, once we started collaborating with other writers, mm-hmm. it sort of exposed us and opened us up to. Um, you know, just not limiting ourselves and and always being open to kind of evolve and let it happen and if it felt it felt right, we just would always go with it so you know if you listen from from one album to the next we 've kind of constantly changed a little bit and uh
2: what's the uh, underlying theme though that connects all the records
1: we're, i mean we're a we like to drink and we like to, is that what
2: you know, lit we like a good time
1: like to get lit up. It's yeah. I don't Yeah. That we, we kind of think, I think lit's more of an energy for us. It's always, we've always been kind of lumped into that. Um, we've had in the beginning, a lot of stoner followers and people, oh yeah, let's get lit. Oh yeah. And we're, you know.
0: Well, we also had a, a um, the guy who directed our very first video, um, when he, after the show, when he saw us play live, he said, and this is when we were still called stain. He said, um, seeing you guys live is like watching a bomb go off in a building and so we were thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. Bomb, fuse, lit, like getting ready to explode, like that kind of thing. So, Isn't
2: finding yeah. a band name it's just the worst? Yeah, it sucks. It's yeah. like I impassable. hope I don't have ever
0: have to do that again. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: man. I mean, the process of that is exhausting. Yeah. And then you find what you like, like Stain, and you realize it's taken. But I think I'm glad y'all moved on.
0: Yeah, I think, I think lit suits us a lot. And actually, the, yeah. well the funny story about that is that Stain, the band Stain,
2: mm-hmm. or Stained, Stained. Aaron Lewis. Yeah. Oh, they no, got, he's doing country music. Yeah.
0: They got sued by the same guy we got sued by when we were called Stain. but the difference was we were like, F you <laughs> to the guy, and they were like, all right, we'll pay you. So th- those oh, guys really? actually paid the guy off. And yeah.
2: Oh, I thought it was Aaron Lewis's band that was the stain that mm-hmm. was the problem. Stained.
0: No, it was like a writer
1: for Thrasher Magazine or something. Just, oh, man. Yeah, so, so, sitting, so sitting on the name. Oh, man. Wait.
2: So what was it like? You guys have been playing since you're like teenagers. Now you get this first record deal. What happens now? Like, what is your life looking like?
1: I mean, after the first record deal, not a whole lot changed. You know, we just kept doing what we were doing, and actually had copies of the record to sell. You know, I guess that was the difference. But were you um,
2: still like self-promoting, or was the record label helping?
1: They helped a little bit. I mean, what printed posters and and uh, I,
0: the the first deal was very indie, source. and we would go up to Hollywood um, two three times a week and go in the mail room and stuff envelopes and and stuff. You know, and, and um, use their copier to print stuff and just we would try to do everything we could to take advantage of whatever resources that there were. But I mean, the Same real, RCA, the, the real uh-huh. beginning for us was when RCA got a copy of my worst enemy. And it was weird how it happened. Cause they'd already passed on us like two or three times.
2: Did you make that with malicious delicious? Mm-hmm. So you guys were out of your delicious, do- delicious deal. <laughs> and now you're a free agent. So that kind of just dissolved over time. Like it, yeah, it was a great launching point, but it kind of dissolved.
0: I, honestly, I don't even remember. They, we may have still been with them, and I think they probably just let us go because they saw they knew it would be better for us. I mean, it would, okay. I don't remember all the details then, but
2: so now you made a new album after that deal. Well,
0: we did some demos, and it, on the on that demo was My Almost Enemy, Miserable. Dang. They were like, yeah, two four. top five hits on out of four songs that got passed on. That everybody everyone. passed on. Can you yeah. believe
2: that? Isn't yeah. that so, so funny? How the music industry works. Yeah,
0: it's but That's the cool same. thing is, our manager um, at the time, Rudisipetti's, her name was on the CD with her phone number, and a radio promo rep at RCA recognized her name from a college that they went to in Michigan together, like years past, and he was like, "Whoa, no way!" So he took it into his office and put it in. And he flipped out over that song. and then He was he went,
2: working at RCA.
0: Yeah. And so he went down the hall. It was just a weird thing. And then next thing, it happened really fast after that. We, it went from, they heard it, they wanted it. We signed with them. We were in the studio like two weeks later. And then we finished the record right before Christmas time. And then January 2nd, K-Rock started playing My Hour's Denim. Well,
1: there was actually a station that started playing the demo. And we had to like, they had to send him a season and assist. Really? letter Because it was... It was a demo version, and we weren't anywhere oh. near close to, you know, ready to
0: release, so... It was one of those kind of s- cool crazy things. But that just...
2: Isn't that... Those stories crazy, because you've now been in the industry, what, like, probably five to ten years really doing it at this point? Yeah,
1: over ten years. Over
2: ten years, and it feels like that's magical, like someone randomly gets your CD, and mm-hmm. then you get a record deal. But there's ten years of, like, hustling, developing... But then that's just your lucky break. That's the kind of stories that are yeah. crazy. Because mm-hmm. it's really like 10 years of hard work, but then finally something.
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, the stars eventually have to kind of align in your Do you favor. believe that? Totally. I mean, because there's too many people, and I didn't used to believe that.
2: So, don't tell me about this.
0: Like 15 years ago, people would say, oh, there's so many talented people that never make it. And I would always kind of felt at that time like, well, no, there's something missing. Like they might be talented, but they don't. They don't have anything for people to invest in, like they don't have a, a, a vibe or an image or their show sucks or they're great in the studio or, they're, or vice versa. They're, they're great performers, but they don't write great songs. Or I always just felt like there must be some piece that's missing. Otherwise, why aren't you making it?
2: So you believe that if all the pieces are together, you will eventually make it?
0: <clears throat> I used to believe that until I started coming to Nashville.
2: <laughs> and then what? And
0: then I, I've actually seen a lot of people get kind of overlooked.
2: But do you think mm-hmm. it eventually comes around if you stick with
0: it long enough? Certainly can. I mean,
1: times have definitely changed a lot. So I, yeah, that's a tough question to answer. And
2: with YouTube, there's so much more access to finding artists, I guess. People- there's
0: people now with that are experiencing a lot of success and they have no experience. There's people right. with a lot of experience that never get the success. I don't think that that was the case 20 years ago. I think you had to really, uh, 15 years ago, I think you had to really bust ass Develop your local following to get heard and seen, and in then the first maybe place. try to expand that to a regional following. And I mean, bands that you, you know, if you think back in like the late '90s or early 2000s, I mean, bands like the Dave Matthews Band that were playing, selling out stadiums, had a huge college following, just showing up playing in bars, yeah. playing at frat parties, like they, and they built these like legions of fans over time, and then they. They sort of turned the tables on the industry, and the industry had to come follow because there was something happening. Yeah. So much. And now it's kind of that's it, like
1: a band like Dirty Heads is doing that now. You see some bands that still kind of get it and they're working it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll have following. You know, they'll, have, they'll be able to tour forever.
2: Right. Because they is have huge. Their, just their grassroots following they mm-hmm. built. I feel like that is true. Like in, in Southern California, especially in this era when you guys were emerging, there was a lot of bands coming out of there. Like no doubt came out of that region yep. too. Who else is in there? <laughs> uh, Sugar Ray. Were you guys all kind of happening
1: at the same time? They kind of beat us a little bit within a, a few years. you had, yeah, we you had
0: offspring and and no doubt, and you had you know even like corn yeah. and. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but Orange County, I mean, it's so crazy the history that comes out of there. For what every, time
2: period was that? What year? What were the
0: years? That was all nineties-ish. Okay. Late nineties into two thousand,
1: and then, and then since
0: then you've had uh, you know bands like, Avenged Sevenfold and mm-hmm. um, um and Young the Giant, and then I mean country wise too i mean there's been you know gary allen's from orange county and um and jackson brown is actually from fullerton where we're from um and um you know there's a street there's a street that runs through santa Ana called rate and that's bonnie rate's dad is It's named named after him so there's a lot of history in in where we come from it's just it's a really spread out county it's not like a little scene. It's like, yeah. um, we didn't know all those bands until we were,
2: you know, we, um, tour with them. we met <laughs>
0: them in, you know, at some festival in New York or something.
2: So you guys get signed in this two week period. It's like a magical thing that happens and you're recording your album. You put out my own Worst enemy. Tell me what that's like. Cause this is the, this is the biggest charting rock song in 1999. If ever, right. It's one of the biggest rock songs <coughs> that ever we had, was.
1: We had a good run with it. we,
2: was it like
0: twelve weeks at the top
2: of the charts? Eleven weeks at number one. That's insane. That was crazy.
0: Yeah, it was fun. We, I mean, we got.
2: What did life look like?
0: Well, we were in, we were still in an RV, <laughs> and we hadn't. Everyone
2: uh, thinks it gets so glamorous so fast.
0: Well, we had we all, our time, well, kind of. It was before we started
1: blowing our money. I mean, we definitely smart. stayed smart and efficient for a while, and until we just thought we deserved a little luxury, so we went for went for the bus.
0: Well, but, we couldn't. We got to a point where we couldn't really drive ourselves around anymore. We were, you know. It was getting a oh, little nice. crazy, but when, when you're, you're in the middle of the country and you have six weeks, seven weeks of dates left, and all your stuff is packed in this RV, you have to get home first to unpack it so that you can get a bus. Yeah. And um, so we were pulling up to all these.
2: So you guys had a tour booked and everything. You're doing your own thing when this happened.
0: We were well. We we yeah. We were when when that mm-hmm. song finally got to number one in the summertime. We were out. We were, we were playing Woodstock and playing you know on tour with the Offspring and the Warp Tour and we were doing all this stuff. We were. I mean, that year, we left home in January, and we, we left home January of 99, and we didn't come back till September of 2000. Really? Like literally 18 months, we were bothered. gone from home.
2: Like, didn't come home once?
0: Just we, yeah,
1: just like, not even, bring, you know, not even bring your suitcase in, just like bring your backpack in and wow. hang for a little bit. But yeah, it was crazy. Like, the whole video, you know, treatments, too. Like, we, oh, the song years. was, before we were, like, as soon as it was done recording, we, um, it was done recording. When we were done recording it, we... Had you know video producers submitting their treatments, and we were you know kind of thrown into the a makeup room and all this new stuff that you know three hundred three hundred and fifty thousand dollar video you know from never experiencing any of that and then next thing you know we're on m t v we're on t r l and so that all like? happened really quickly
2: were you guys ready for that were you ready for this instant fame? I know y'all had wanted it, but like that changed overnight for you guys literally right
1: i think we were i think we were ready for it i mean we nothing was like you know, like you say, we were, we, were, we were kind of priming over the course of 10 plus years and um, we we're really comfortable on stage. We were comfortable, you know, we had already done a million interviews and with local fanzines yeah. and things like that. So we're, um, that's the difference, I think, between something like an American Idol winner and, and a band that's been kind of put through the.
2: You're not the quite school. ready. The, the American Idol, like, you don't, haven't had that preparation. Time period.
1: You might have some media training and, and, you know, extensive amount of that, but yeah, not not really, when you get on the stage and that connection with a crowd, that happens over, I think over time, learning how to work that.
2: So what were the, what was the fan situation like? What was like, were girls just throwing themselves at you guys? Was it, was that crazy to be like walking down the street and everyone know who you are? And Jeremy, at that point you had a long beard. Too, like a long braided beard which you've cut off
0: which I always loved your beard. Yeah. I had a I had a long beard for a long time and that was kinda of my, my calling card. But how people, did you
2: decide to
0: cut that off? Um actually it was when our, our drummer Al passed away and it was um kind of an end of an era, so I I um I not to bring it down, but we were at the funeral and people were putting stuff in the ground like letters and pictures and bottles of Jack Daniels and drumsticks or whatever and I didn't have anything to put put in there and i was like looking i'm like well my watch isn't really going to do him any good and and uh so his daughter was there and i the i had the uh the the grave digger guy that was over digging another grave and i called him over i'm like hey you have any scissors and he went and got me this big old pair of rusty you know shears and uh and his daughter cut it off right there and threw it in, a, oh, threw wow. it in the ground with him so if you're
2: ever going to cut it off that's
0: the way to <laughs> so it's kind of a tribute to it him kind of the end of an era that day but um but yeah, so to go back to what you were talking about, it was – it was, we were – I think the only thing about that time that looking back on it when I watch videos and I see stuff, I'm, I'm like, man, I wish we would have been able to kind of soak that in a little bit more and enjoy that a little bit more because they had us run so ragged that we didn't know our head from our ass. We didn't know if we were coming or going, and um, we knew it was awesome and we were having a great time, but we were – a few months in, we were so exhausted because we were just – burning the candle at yeah. well, not only both ends but in the middle too we just were it was gnarly and um
2: how did you guys keep your health up and keep your relationships with the band up because that is probably a little, i guess you'd had all that practice a lot of brand. drinking
1: <laughs> <laughs> kept yeah. it all in perspective and that was that yeah, was the you one just, thing you that learned was... the hard way a few times i guess you you know you get run down and you start stocking the bus up with vitamins and you know to kind of offset the drinking and you learn how to you drink a lot of water. And definitely you fall down a few times before you
2: figure, figure out it your out. system. Yeah. And you guys always got along the four. It was just the four of y'all, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all always got along? Yeah. We, for all, the most part?
1: we always had a road crew that was like family too. So we were just like this, you know, unstoppable unit on the road that was Yeah, it was really cool looking back.
0: It was kind of a neat thing that that there wasn't really any one particular person that was Getting it was kind of all for one, one for all, and and we would come back into the bus at the end of the night, and we were just the same knuckleheads that we were five years ago, ten years ago. We still watching the same stuff on the TV, drinking the same cheap beer, and, and you know <laughs> playing silo and poker yeah. and stuff with our friends. And um, I think that we had that foundation that we had built, and that's yeah. what kind of kept us through all the all the roller coaster ride.
2: So my own worst enemy is huge, massive, and then here comes miserable. And you guys are crawling all over Pamela Anderson, which, unfortunately, it's not a real version of Pamela Anderson, but it's like a giant Pamela. How is was that?
1: Better. It was killer we, um, That's I don't know the if
2: coolest th- music video I've ever seen. Or what, Thank you. That's one of my favorite
1: videos of all time. <laughs> she eats all of us. Oh, she you.
2: eats all of y'all. Who's yeah. the last to survive?
1: I think KJ's is the last one. That goes on. one. Yeah.
2: You hang on the longest?
1: I was hanging on her ear for a while there at the end. <laughs> uh... If you, that's an interesting thing you can YouTube is, is uh, the TV show that Pam did called VIP, mm-hmm. where um, they wrote an entire episode about the band. Oh, so nice. we all, we got our little, our shot at acting and, oh. and we're really you know, good actors. Yeah. I believe it
0: we'll actually. Yeah. Especially if you, the one on YouTube I think has German subtitles. It's called Hard Val's so, Night. Oh yeah, that was, that's amazing. really gives it a nice touch.
2: So are you guys friends with Pamela Anderson? Or do you know her?
0: We were she I mean we she was amazing. she's super she's great. we haven't yeah. talked to her in a long time, but she was she was very sweet to do our video she
2: and that was, was her prime time too yeah. she was on fire
0: yeah she um a couple years later we were on tour with Kid Rock, and that was when they were together, and she made a point to, you know when she would come out, she would always make a point to come in our dressing room and, and hang out with us and say hi and and check in and um, she was just very always very sweet and very down to earth very you know and and just a real Pro, you know, yeah. it's just, a, um, she totally knew her, her drill and she just kind of, it was neat. It was a neat process to be a part of, you know,
2: the same time period, Jeremy, you did cribs, which was amazing. I just watched your whole cribs thing and you have like a Tiki Jetson vibe going on is how you described it. Your house. Tell me what that was like.
0: I've just always been into, um, mid-century modern furniture and stuff and and it's evolved over the years and um i've always kind of just had a before music paid the bills i used to buy and sell furniture and i used to like have to like set up the store and like set up little scenes and all that so i've just always kind of had an eye for like design and stuff so um the nice thing about that time frame is i was able to afford some stuff that up until then i was only admiring from afar so Mm -hmm. i was able to buy some cool stuff and um it was fun. I, You know, the Cribs episode, it looked like we were just drinking and partying and had a bunch of friends over at the house. Yeah. But that's how it was. It, once we were home and had to – got a little bit of time to celebrate with our friends and our family, that was what it was like every night. Just people coming over, people hanging out, barbecuing, having drinks, just, you know, enjoying your first house. I mean, you know how it is. It's just it's awesome and um, – People. So you guys
2: are big community people. Like, you guys, y'all love a big group of friends.
0: We
1: live in a really cool town. Yeah, and, it's, and we've had the same friends for in forever. Yeah, so we like to, and now they all have kids, and um, they're all married and have their own houses. So we like, you know, we definitely love to get everyone together and barbecue, and that's what it's all about.
2: So after this time period, you did the, the My Owners Enemy, Miserable, Ziploc. That's another great one.
1: Yeah, we filmed that at the, um, the house where they filmed the Rat Pack movie. Oh, nice. So it was just, you know, that was all about you know, everything we loved. We were very, you know, we we're one of those bands that fancied ourselves, you know, the rock and roll Rat Pack.
2: When did you guys feel like you have arrived? Like, how did, did you have a moment where you're like, okay, we're doing this. Like, we are, we are stars. We have arrived on the scene. And how did that change your mentality?
1: I don't know. So I guess for it was kind of surreal being in you know, Times Square and you know hang out with like Carson Daly and, and having you know a bunch of kids in the street like you know, did TRL and stuff We did a TRL a few times and yeah that's to me that's like one of the most surreal um time there like This was the
2: MTV era too like this is when MTV was so happening and
1: Yeah we had never been in New York City so it was just like what the hell this is it's crazy
0: It was we we were we kind of we got very lucky that we were able to see an experience, because that was kind of the end of all that. You know, it was the end of selling, uh, you know, a million CDs. I and, mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was a... So a all is,
2: sold a million CDs.
0: We sold more than that. But, I mean, that was when wow. people still bought CDs and... Yeah, yeah and, Platinum and,
2: Artist. That's yeah. a very small club.
0: <coughs> What's well, yeah. anymore, it's like, it's just, what do you... Platinum if, Downloads. If we wanted to go buy a CD right now, well, where would we even go? I know. We'd have to go to Walmart. Music Row and just walk into an office and grab one. But we, like, you wouldn't, it, it, you know... That we, we kind of rode that last wave, and we also got, rode that last wave of of MTV playing music videos yeah. and their shows like TRL, um, which would be cool if, if that element of it came back because I feel like that's there's that um, it's missing that that like fan interaction like right. that's kind of, now the new TRL is like Twitter and Instagram
1: I right. guess that kind of thing that they can get closer
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that way but yeah it used to be you'd have to like
0: wait out in front of a
1: you know, your, the MTV building or whatever and, and hope to get a glimpse
0: of some of the off I mean, I remember, off I remember one of the first... We, we, we got to experience what it was like to have fans camped out in front of your hotel. How
2: was and that? And, like,
0: you get out of your van and try to walk from the van to the lobby and you have to stop and sign stuff and take... I mean, now, it's... Back then, you know, you'd stay in hotels under fake names so that people couldn't find you. And now, people people are Twittering... Hey, I'm at the such and such hotel. Come see me. And it's like they're, and it's like you a whole different, to come. whole different planet sure. now. But it's, uh, it's crazy.
2: What were y'all's fake names? Or are I you a still few, using a them? A few
1: different ones.
0: My, I went, was I went, Mr. Blonde. I went, I went with Mr. <laughs> e for a while.
2: What does Mr. E mean? Say it again. Mr. E. Mystery. Mystery. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Creative. There you go. Okay. I, think I, I think
1: I stole it from someone else. I can't remember. <laughs> Probably Elvis.
2: Uh, obviously. All right. So you guys toured with a lot of people: Butch Walker, No Doubt, Kid Rock. What were those tours like? How's No Doubt? Gwen Stefani's amazing. And we, not Blake Shelton, which is super
1: cool. <laughs> yeah, they're all great. Who would have
2: ever paired them together?
1: I, I never. I mean, <laughs> it's a trip. <laughs> we've never had any bad experiences with with tours. We've always been lucky and had had a great time with all the bands we've gone out with. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. what You think Gwen's Gwen's an Anaheim girl? She's like, you know, she's very much like a lot of people we grew up with and, and we're also fr-
0: we're still friends with a lot of the people that we toured with we, um, um and i think there was only one band and I, i'm not just saying this because i don't want to throw them under the bus but i don't even remember their name but there was one band that we sent home one time after one show because we just always had such good chemistry with anybody that we toured with and that if we sensed that that wasn't going to be the case we would either pass or we would Nip it. You know.
2: What was the vibe you liked to tour with? Like, what's the vibe you were looking for on the road?
1: I mean, going out with Thousand Horses, that was a fun tour. I mean, yeah. It's just having, we started to feel like just one big band. You know, and everybody, when everybody, after you're done with Soundcheck, you all meet up for, for dinner. Or, you know, we'd have those guys on our bus all the time and go to the next town with us. And it's, we wanted to feel like um, one big crew, you know. I that was that.
2: cool, with Thousand Horses was getting started you guys
1: took them out on a tour with you guys yeah that was a a great time cool moment and our fans dug those guys they're a great band it was you know great guys
0: great friends so so you guys
2: just want to have fun you want to be a family yeah like a band of brothers
0: you know there's too much downtime on the road to to if if the people that you're around all day or on days off or after the show if 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 that group of, of people aren't like your second family then it makes being on the road even that much more tr- you know trying and taxing cuz it, it's just your are you know there's so many hours of yeah. uh, in the day you know and you have
2: to sacrifice a lot to be on the road like families wives not being oh, yeah. with them or mm-hmm. your kids so how, yeah, so you have to make it worth it i guess that's what yeah. you're
0: saying and you want yeah and you do want to have a good time and you and you want to help people out too. you want to give bands a shot at stuff and you also you know, you want to open up for cool people, too, so you can, I mean, it's just a big, the touring community is different. Everybody's in the same kind of boat, whether you're in four buses or you're in a van. You're still away from your family. You're still away from your kids or your wives or your girlfriends, or, um, and you're, you know, you're doing what you love to do. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of, it's not, you know, it's awesome, but it's not easy, you know.
2: What do you love so much about it? Why is it so awesome?
0: And you get to do what we
1: love doing, you know, Which is performing, performing, and, and connecting with people that have already connected with you to be able to be out on the road and, and go from town to town and have that in common with all these, you know, people coming to the shows. And we we're one of those bands that hangs out with the with the, you know, the people that came out to see us. We'll hang out until the last person leaves, you know. So we're that's what it's all about. is being so able to connect. You guys never got
2: big heads. See, you are always cool. To hang I don't know about
1: anybody. this guy. <laughs> he did. <laughs> No, we're, yeah, we've, you know, we, you know where you come from, you know how much work it takes to get there, and, and without the support of all the, all the fans, you know, you no really got, being an asshole. you don't know, have shit.
2: Okay, so, after that big error of, like, this big record you guys had, a little bit of tragedy, well, a lot of tragedy struck you guys with your parents and your drummer. So, how did life change for you guys when yeah. that phase hit? And what did it make? How did it make you reevaluate? Because your drummer passed away and your parents were in a car accident.
1: Yeah, it was like it was back to back. Well, I don't know how back to back it was, but definitely a it was pretty close. Period of a couple of years that just felt like, no matter what, like you, you try to get up and you just, yeah, we kept kept getting like pulled back down. Um,
0: our, pa- and, our mom and stepdad were on a on their Harley, and they got hit head on by a drunk driver. So he was killed and she barely survived. but She was. You know, really, really critical for a long time, and was in the hospital for several months, and so we had to kind of put music on hold for a little while because we, you know, we had to be there two, three, four shifts a day at the hospital, taking turns and you know working with the doctors and the nurses and all. It was a um, really like life-changing time, and then, but what came from that was that was my first trip to Nashville. To start experiencing this place and and writing and writing country music and doing all that. And so it opened up as like it was like this really dark period of time and then this little window over here kinda opened up and like the sun kind of shined through it and it was like, Oh, okay. How did that
2: window open up?
0: (coughs) My uh (laughs) our manager at the time just kinda tricked me into coming out here. I think you're like country
2: cowboys, (laughs) cowboy
0: I mean, we, you know, we had been here a bunch of times just on tour and playing, you know, we were fortunate enough to get to play the, the Starwood and the, oh, nice. um, and, um, but it was, uh, so yeah, there was that. And then we kind of fired back up and then things were starting to ramp back up. We were actually getting ready to go on tour with Kiss in Europe Christ. when the news came down for, about our drummer. So Alan. So then again, then then we had to push pause again, and and then we had to be around to take care of him, and so and to be there for him and to support him, and that was another several months of being on the pause button, and not
1: just pause, but we had to decide whether or not we were going to keep, you know, moving forward as a band. We just
2: because y'all have been together twenty years at this point, right?
1: Yeah, we were never a band that we never had to audition anybody. You yeah. know, we never uh, we we just we just always were. You know, so to decide okay, well, Al's not in the band. Do we have you know we're going to keep keep playing or gonna make another record. Um and I think it was Nathan who's our drummer now was close with Alan and he just sort of it was just a natural he had kind of already been helping when Al got really sick and he would he would get up there with him and take over when he got too tired and Aww, and so awesome. just naturally he kind of just you it know was kind passed of like the torch. By Alan. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean that that definitely was part of the organic, you know thing that happened that kept us moving. And then, you know, I think um, like Jeremy's talking about coming here and finding some new inspiration and then I started coming here with him and um, met so many great writers and learned how to kind of, you know, expand my horizons writing-wise and learned, have learned a lot. This has been a, you know, the school of Nashville has been pretty crazy.
2: Were you guys surprised to see that it's not just so, like, podunk like people think? Nashville's not, really not. Not at all. It's so diverse.
0: Yeah, no, it, was, it, it was diverse. I mean, I started coming here 10 years ago And um, it's changed 100% since then, but even then it's pretty diverse. I mean, it's never been this like backwards country thing. It's always been
2: pretty,
0: yeah, diverse, I guess is the word.
2: So what does life look like for you guys in Nashville?
0: Like today? Yeah, like 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 with your
2: career. Like what is happening with you guys in the Nashville community? Like what does that look like for y'all? It's, are it's, you guys writing country songs or is lit going more country or where is the direction of your music these days?
1: I mean, it has. It's, it's, it's definitely taken on a little bit of a country flavor. I don't know, you know, it depends on who you're asking. Um, you know, when some people, there's people that, are, that, when they think of country music, they feel like it's gotten so, it's changed so much and, it's, and it's, the lines have, been, have gotten blurred and there's a lot of crossover. So I don't really necessarily think we, we claim to be country. We just, they definitely have that influence on our music now, and I mean, I think, I think so much of the country music. That's all, that's all I listen to. You know, I think it's just been um, all these life changes. You know, what I mean, we when you when you hear country music, it, it's a lot more relatable to a you know a guy that's been through you know loss and and guys that have been married and divorced and have kids now, and
0: um, and not even just that, but it's also you know, we still write songs about having a good time. We still write songs about girls, and we still write songs about drinking. And that really has been completely absent from rock and roll in the last 10 years. I, I don't know of Absolutely. any band that's come out that you hear on a rock station that writes songs that have anything to do with what we write songs about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Country is a different story. That's, we write about the same stuff. And um, so
2: And country's kind of opened up to rock, I feel like like you have Steven Tyler coming in, even like my husband 's been a thousand horses they're kind of southern rock like, right. I feel like well, and it's, it's opening its arms n-
0: it's not just rock, I mean there's, there's a lot of bands I mean when you, when you see their shows, I mean it's a rock show um, with country leaning um, production with music wise but it's still it's um, I mean, and there's several country artists. I mean, you can't walk down Broadway in, in, in any of those honky-tonks without hearing them play one of our songs. Um, they're going to play our songs uh, as many times as they're going to play Friends in Low Places.
2: Right, exactly.
0: A- and, and and it's just we're all – because we're all singing. We're all – you know, there's some bands – we used to say this a long time ago, but it kind of still applies. Like There's some bands that you listen to with your headphones on and you know, with your eyes closed. And then there's some bands that you put on the boom box when you're hanging out with your friends – and we kinda always wanted to be that band.
2: Yeah. Um, you guys are a great time. You yeah. like, make don't, people happy.
0: Like, don't yeah. don't dissect our music too much or, or <laughs> read too far into it. Just turn it up and just hang out and have a good time and that's um, I think that's why we relate so much to the country audience and they relate to us. And we've you know, we are we're such good friends with like I mean, our best friends are Thousand Horses and Jamie Johnson and, you know, the guys that um, uh, you know people would would, uh, would be surprised at how intertwined we have been with that, with that community for, for so as many, many many years as we have. But um, we were talking about this week. It's funny because the, the fans are kind of the same. And, and we're, you know, the only, the only people now that I guess um, that we have to convince, if that's the word you want to use, is the old school gatekeepers that are deciding whether or not the country fans get to hear it, you know?
2: So true. And there's just a few of them. And they definitely still holding that hold key. the key. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely hold the key. Yeah. So what have you guys learned, like your evolution? How have you guys, you have transitioned so much through your career. What has made all these transitions just flow for you guys? Cause y'all have never quit, you know, you've had what, several record deals, kind of changed direction, you've dealt with tragedy, and yet y'all been together 20 plus years. How right. have you managed to stay fluid?
0: So, uh, loving making songs and loving playing them live. I mean, ultimately it's still a process that, I mean, you know, we're going to leave here in a few minutes and go over Jeffrey Steele's house and write with him, one of our favorite writers of all time. And it's such a walking into his place with nothing but a, a, a guitar and walking out with a song that you're, stuck in your head for three days is like, that's mind blowing to uh still after 20 years and having some hits and selling some records or whatever, to still be that excited about, I wonder what's going to happen today. I mean, that's the thing. It's like going fishing, you know, you could not catch anything or it's like golf, you know, that one golf shot, will keep you coming back time and time again, even if you suck. And so it's
2: kind of fun that you mm-hmm. don't know what you're going to get. It kind of makes it magical.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it's a process that we've never gotten used to and it's a process we've never taken for granted so i think it's that and then i think also you know we have stepped away we've never stepped away completely but you know i own a i own a bar restaurant in california they have a slide bar which
2: is so rad
0: aj owns a, a a salon and um but these are in
2: fullerton
0: yeah so we do other things too you you have you can't just be 100 percent all the time one thing i don't think because um you, you'll just go crazy. So it's nice to be able to step away and do f- dive into something head first for a couple weeks and then go back and dive into the music and go out and play some shows and then come back and spend time with your family and, you know, go to your kid's football game and, and you know.
2: You
0: guys both have kids. Yeah, I have a 13-year-old daughter about oh. to enter the fun years.
2: Go, oh, god! High school
0: coming up. Y'all yeah. have it
2: coming for you guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's payback time.
2: Mm-hmm. And you have a son, Jeremy. Yeah.
0: Jake is fourteen.
2: Yeah, so okay, they're right, same age. Jake yeah, will be Jake's beating up,
0: beating up the boys that are not, yeah. not being appropriate built with in. Presley. She's okay, got built good. In security.
2: So, what are you guys looking forward to most musically, 2016? What does it look like for Lit, 2016? In the direction you're headed, where are you guys going?
0: <coughs> we've been, re- I mean, we're stoked on. We've recorded six songs so far, like Masters. Um, We're here this week um, writing more. Hopefully, um, we're just looking to get, we'll have a single out hopefully by summer. Nice. And um, shows coming up. Get out and play
1: with some some of these guys we're talking about.
2: Heck yeah. Some more shows. Okay, so I like to end my podcast with a little thing called Leave Your Light. Just give me some inspiration to all the listeners out there based on your life.
0: Man. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> are we the? Is, mm. are, is everybody stumped on this one or
2: it can be anything it doesn't have to be super deep or just some inspiration that you tell maybe to some other people trying to do music or what you have learned through your journey
1: and one of my favorite quotes is if you ain't growing you're dying so constantly try and push it a little bit I'd say keep pushing the
0: envelope get out of your comfort zone
2: I love that yeah. Got anything Dad?
0: Hmm. I I mean, I think that if you're, whether you're making music or you're making jewelry or you're, you're, you know, you're doing hair or you're doing any kind of, you're being creative. And, um, if people are into what you're doing and you're getting good feedback, then there's no reason to ever doubt that that couldn't translate into bigger and bigger success. I mean, um, you always have to kind of look back, and if 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 you're doing something and no one's really reacting, then maybe you gotta take a look at it. And but if um, if the, if the feeling is like, wow, this is cool, um, that's how we always felt about our, our music, and I think that we just followed that. We just just hold on to the believers, keep them close, and and keep them, you know, motivating you. And 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 the people, I've I've found that usually the naysayers are just kind of people that have failed in their own, you know, on their own way to wherever they're at. So. Um. So I don't know if that makes any sense. That's
2: awesome. Amen. So like, believe in yourself and hold on to that little fire.
0: Yeah. Just be smart about it, you know. Yeah. If you're doing something and it's not quite dialed in yet, then dial it in. Throw it back out there, you know. Follow the signs.
2: So you guys are y'all good at taking a little bit of constructive constructive criticism.
1: Sure. Absolutely, but only to a certain point, you know. But you gotta stay like, true. You know, yeah, there's a difference between between constructive criticism and, and naysayers, you know. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to have a good gauge of what's gonna, you know. I guess who you're listening to.
0: The, and social media has really messed up people's ability to um, be themselves and stick to it because um, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you could go you could go on Facebook right now and say, "Hey, I'm gonna give away a hundred dollars." Um, to everybody I see, and there's, you know, 10 or 20 people are going to go, oh, 100, and why not 1,000?
2: Yeah. You know, or, <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, that's stupid, you know, whatever. It, it, sure. you, we, you know, we're, we're almost forced to post multiple things a day, and you're almost like, you check back, and it's like, oh, I wonder why that didn't get very many likes, or... Or, you know, the comments are always... Look, it's just... Always it looking for with,
1: approval and that. It messes with your head. Like that, You know, there was yeah. a
0: time where you just did your thing and you just went for it. And, yeah. And um, I, uh, one of our told me a few years ago, he's like... Which I always try to remind AJ because he's a little more sensitive to it than I am. But <laughs> um, whatever you do, don't read the blogs. Or the... Yeah. Now it, Now everything's a blog. But it's like, whatever you do, don't read the blogs and... If you do that, whatever you do, don't read the comments. Oh, and yeah. so and People I've they're ruthless. They're yeah, they're brutal. And I've actually learned over the years that if you don't read them, they really don't exist. That's true.
2: That's so true. It's whatever you put in your own reality.
0: Yeah. If you never read the comment section, they will a negative comment will never mess up. I've gotten day. to
1: the point now too because we you know you have control. If someone says something rude or negative, you can delete it. Mm-hmm. For no one to so no one sees it, and I've gotten to the point now where I'll, I'll leave the like most fucked up shit just so I can kind of, and I learn to kind of laugh at it. Like, okay, I'm gonna let I'll let the fans, the diehards,
2: get after them.
0: Handle this. But, That's a
2: great piece of advice. So yeah. just don't look at it.
0: Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, but it works if you don't.
2: Okay, you guys, AJ and Jeremy pop off from the band Lit. Thank you guys. Thanks, for Carolina. joining me on my awesome. podcast, you guys are That's amazing. Excited. This will so be really launching. Thanks
0: soon. for having us. Alright. So happy to have you Peace. Peace. She's on the inside. She got the scoop on the walls to watch.
2: Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope that you love listening to Lit. And next week is really special because it's the week after Mother's Day, and I decided to do a tribute to mothers. And I found three of my favorite new moms. And we are talking everything about motherhood, all of it. And they are real and honest and hilarious. And we have champagne the whole time. I have Kristen Brest joining me. She's married to Preston from Low Cash. They had a huge hit last year called I Love This Life. And she also worked at Big Machine Records, where my husband is signed. And Taylor Swift is signed over there, Florida Georgia Line, Thomas Rhett, the band Perry, Cassidy Pope. There are so many stars. So she has huge insight into the music industry. Audrey Ball guest is also joining me with Mary Catherine Music. And Audrey, her father was David Ball. He had he sold over a million albums. And he had a huge song called Riding uh, Shotgun with Private Malone. And Audrey and Mary Catherine were in a trio called the, music, the Mercy Birds. So they have so much to talk about. And they all have little new babies that are precious and adorable. But they just spilled beans and get real with it. And it's really awesome. And it's refreshing to hear. So... You are not going to want to miss that, and we laugh a lot, and it's just the best. So tune in next week, and also please subscribe on iTunes. So many of you guys are awesome and listening on my website, carolinehobby.com. But in order to grow this thing and become the number one podcast, I need you guys to go um, subscribe on iTunes and leave comments. So y'all are the best. See you next week. Thanks. Bye.